This is Pastor Matt Harmless from Edgewood Church in Danville, Illinois. The following sermon audio is from Sunday, April the 18th, 2021. And it's from me, Pastor Matt, and it's continuing our series on the gospel according to Luke. I pray that you'll be blessed by this sermon. Thank you for listening. Well, let's pray, and uh, we're going to jump into something from Luke. But uh, as we jump in today, I'm going I'm to have to lay out a little bit of an idea for you. Okay, so we're going to lay out a bit of an idea, and then we're going to get into Luke. So there's some things that you need to understand before we delve into this little snippet of a story in Luke. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you again for this day. I thank you for this church. I thank you for all those that are here today, and um, I think that we can fellowship together and sing together and praise you together and laugh together, laugh at ourselves, be thankful for your grace together. What a good God that you are, and I just praise you for bringing us here today. I ask now that you would guide through this next portion of our service as we look at your word. I ask that you would help us to learn what we need to learn from this story. In Christ's name I pray, amen. amen. So we need to talk about these two words. And I understand what happens in this story today. We need to talk about these two words just briefly, okay? Clean and unclean. In the Bible, in the Old Testament, the word clean, a couple different versions of it, shows up about 200 times in the Old Testament and in the book of Leviticus alone, you guys ever heard of the book of Leviticus? Okay, the book of Leviticus alone, 70 times the word clean. Okay, the word unclean in the Old Testament, about 86 times. In Leviticus alone, the word unclean shows up about 46 times. You hear the word unclean. You might be thinking, well, why Leviticus? Uh, Leviticus, if you don't know, the tribe of Levi was the tribe that God chose to be that priestly tribe. And so the book of Leviticus is very much about these Levitical priestly laws being, and I'm giving you a bare summary of this, those uh, Levitical priestly laws being laid out. And a lot of it has to do with this cleanness and uncleanness about this interaction and being part of God's people. Okay. Now the meaning of the word is just what you would think it is. It's not, no, no mystery here to be clean or to be pure, but also start thinking about, and I think we also do the same thing, clean not just physically but also morally or ethically that gets tied into it through these things and to be unclean was to be associated with things that are filthy but not like i said not just physically dirty but also morally dirty okay unclean things if you go through those levitical laws things that in other words what would make something unclean or what would make a person unclean there was all kinds of food laws about foods Okay, so there was different foods that you couldn't eat that were considered to be unclean in, in that Old Testament Levitical law. Okay, so hate to break it to you, but like pork, bacon, <laughs> catfish would have been out, right? Shrimp, all kinds of things like that. And now, notice I'm not getting into the why, okay? The, the, we'll, 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 I'll, I'll mention some things here. There are things that uh, caused a person to be unclean. Some of them were um, sores infections, even touching things that had that. So to touch something that was dead or to touch a dead body, would be, you'd be declared unclean. Things that were blemished or tainted. 
I think it's a kind of an odd conglomeration of things, it seems to us. It's interesting. There's a lot of uh, speculation. But it's interesting. A lot of those laws were, were really, like when we go back and we look at them, we go, I mean, it, they were good for those people, definitely. There was aspects of that that would promote a healthy people that would make sense in those ideas. There's a lot of interesting studies on that, but that's not going to be our point for today because I'm still going to eat shrimp. And there's a reason for that in the New Testament where God said it's all clean now. Okay, So that's not today's message. But to even touch something unclean would make one unclean. Okay, Now this is going to be an important thought as we progress. So in the Old Testament law, if something was unclean and you touched that unclean, you would be also unclean. And there was a whole process to cleanse oneself. Not just cleansing, but then sacrifice was also always involved in that process of returning to the state of cleanliness. Uncleanness transferred itself to the clean, not the other way around. Keep that in mind. And in fact, if you touch something unclean, the Bible would talk about if you did something like that, you touch something that's unclean, and you realize your guilt. So there's a guilt thing involved there. You realize your guilt. Okay, then this is what you do. That's what he said. Okay, so you touch something unclean. You did the, oh, no. Okay, I touched this thing here. I shouldn't have touched that. What do I do? And there's a whole process for what you would do. If you were unclean, you could not participate in the things of God's fellowship. In other words, the eating and the drinking of the ceremonies, the feasting, you were to be outcast until you were declared again to be clean. In fact, if you were unclean and participated anyway, you were to be cut off from the people of God. Let me give you just one example from Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 7. Flesh that touches any unclean thing shall not be eaten. So if you had something, piece of meat, that touches an unclean thing, don't even eat it. It should be burned up with fire. All who are clean may eat flesh, but the person who eats of the flesh of the sacrifice of the Lord's peace offerings, while an uncleanness is on him, that person shall be cut off from his people. And if anyone touches an unclean thing, whether human uncleanness or an unclean beast or an unclean detestable creature, and then eats some flesh from the sacrifice of the Lord's peace offerings, that person shall be cut off from his people. So this cleanness and uncleanness. And I know some of you are like, okay, this is very unfamiliar to me. Okay, that's okay. Stay with me. As time progressed, people began to realize that this cleanliness element came to represent something that was much bigger than just, oh, I got something contaminated on me. You see this, if you go about 400 years after the writing of the law, you see King David. King David, after a, an adulterous affair and a murderous plot to kill Uriah the Hittite, writes a psalm in his repentance. In fact, it says in Psalm 51 at the beginning, it says, uh, a psalm of David when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. And so Nathan the prophet confronts him and he realizes his sin. He pens these words. And listen for the cleanliness element come into this. Have mercy on me, O God. According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me. You hear that? Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. They were starting to understand that this was representative of something bigger than just that. In fact, he goes on, and let me share two more verses from this particular this psalm that David wrote. He says, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me. You see that? Cleanse. I mean, he recognized his sin 
he was unclean. And he's cleansed me, Lord, cleanse me of my sin. And I think, I could be wrong, but I think that almost every single one of you in this room gets that basic idea. In your sin, you have even felt unclean. Okay? This is not a crazy wild cut. This is what it's talking about. Created me a clean heart. We've heard this in O God and renew a right spirit within me. Clean, clean. I need to be clean, Lord. Another three or four hundred years pass, and the prophet Isaiah speaking about Israel. And I'm actually going to read a chunk of this. I, was, I wasn't for sure if I want to do this, but I definitely want to do this. In Isaiah chapter 1, the very first chapter, there's going to be, you're going to hear, and I just want to read part of this, and I'll put some of it up there for you. Isaiah chapter 1, starting with verse 1, you hear Isaiah the prophet, and he's going to be talking about um, Israel as a nation, their wickedness. Okay, and in fact, all the things they were doing, all the right ceremonies they were doing that would normally think this made them clean. You're going to hear at the end of this, basically, God, you're going to hear, listen for it. You're going to hear God basically going, I'm sick of this, what you're doing. It's, it's just, just a load of ridiculous, you're, you're doing all the right things, but it's pointless, and I'm sick of it. I'm sick of your sacrifices. I'm sick of what you're doing because you're missing it. And you get to... 16, verse 16 of this first chapter, you're going to hear that cleansing, that need for cleansing come in. So listen to this. Isaiah chapter 1, it says, The, the vision of Isaiah, the son of Amos, when he saw, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, uh, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. And here's what the Lord says. Children have I reared and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. He's talking about his people, Israel. The ox knows its owner and the donkey its master's crib, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Ah, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, an offspring of evildoers, children who deal corruptly. They have forsaken the Lord. They have despised the Holy One of Israel. They are utterly estranged. Why will you be struck down? Why will you continue to rebel? The whole head is sick and the whole heart faint. From the sole of the foot even to the head, there is no soundness in it, but bruises and sores and raw wounds. They're not pressed out or bound up or softened with oil. All those things can tie into the uncleanliness of sacrifices. And God is saying, you, you, my people, this is you. Your country lies desolate. Your cities are burned with fire in your very presence. Foreigners devour your land. It is desolate, overthrown by foreigners. And the daughter of Zion is left like a booth in a vineyard, like a lodge in a cucumber field, like a besieged city. If the Lord of hosts had not left us a few survivors, we would, we would have been like Sodom and become like Gomorrah. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the teaching of our God, you people of Gomorrah. What to me is the multitude of your sacrifices, says the Lord. I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of well-fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or, or of lambs or of goats. When you come to appear before me, who is required of you this trampling of my courts? Can you imagine that being said to you by God? You come in here, your, your church attendance is like a trampling of my courts, is what God is saying to these people. That'd be, these are hard words to hear, aren't they? 
Bring no more vain, vain means empty, bring no more vain offerings. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and the calling of convocations. I cannot endure iniquity and solemn assembly together. Right? I cannot endure sin, iniquity and solemn assembly. Your new moons and your appointed feasts my soul hates. They've become a burden to me. I'm weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. And then listen to this verse 16. What does he say? What's the need? Oh, I'm sorry. What's the need? Do I not have this one? Let me read it for you. Isaiah 1, 16 says this. Wash yourselves. Make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Have you heard that before? Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. This is about 700 years before Christ. As time progressed, people understood this more and more. Okay, Now, let, let me throw one, one more thing. I think you saw it just a second ago. Let me go back. You heard of this before? Hansen's disease. In the Bible, it probably meant more than just that particular disease. Uh, leprosy, it could have also referred to psoriasis, lupus, ringworm, and favus, all kinds of different, any type of visible illness. Okay? Leprosy was one of those things that in... Old Testament times, right? If we go back to Leviticus, so let's go back to Leviticus again. Trust me, I'm getting there, guys. We're, I know we're preaching on Luke, but I haven't been there. I, you guys are probably like, wait, this is the wrong book that starts with the letter L, Matt. We're talking about Luke, not Leviticus. It's okay, we'll get there. Leviticus 13 says this, the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, when a person has, and this is, this is okay, I'm going to tell you, if you've not read through the Bible, number one, you should. Okay, you should do that. Okay? Just laying that out. If you do it and you're trying to read through, you're going to get to Leviticus and it's going to feel like a hurdle. Okay? It's, it's, I, I know the pastor shouldn't say that, but sometimes reading through Leviticus is like reading through. Like it's a lot of what I'm getting ready to read to you. And there's some things that you read and you're like, ugh. Okay? I, I get some cringes when I read through Leviticus. Okay? Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, when a person has on the skin of his body a swelling or an eruption or a spot. What's Nurses, don't tell me. I don't want to know. And it turns into a case of leper's disease on the skin of his body, and he shall be brought to Aaron the priest or to one of his sons the priest. And the priest shall examine uh, the diseased area on the skin of his body. I'm so glad that pastors don't do this. You know, Pastor, I got an eruption. Could you check it out for me? <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> um, and if the hair in the diseased area has turned white and the disease appears to be deeper than the skin of his body it is a case of leprous disease when the priest has examined him he shall pronounce him unclean okay now here's the thing were there hospitals no this is actually so amazing to me because what god is doing he's setting up this is a contagious disease and he's basically giving them some guidelines to try to preserve people okay let me let me continue on though and if the leper's disease breaks out in the skin, so that the leper's disease covers all the skin of the diseased person from head to foot, so far as the priest can see, then the priest shall look. And if the leper's disease has covered all his body, you should pronounce him clean of the disease. It is all turned white, and he is clean. But when raw flesh appears on him, 
He shall be unclean, and the priest shall examine the raw flesh and pronounce him unclean. Raw flesh is unclean, for it is a leprous disease. And to have leprosy was basically to face, you were to be ostracized. You're out, not in with everybody else, right? In fact, it goes on in the same chapter. The leprous person who has the disease shall wear torn clothes, let the hair of his head hang loose, shall cover his upper lip and cry out. So the leprous person was to do what? Cry out. If you, if you had to go anywhere and you saw the people, you had to cry out, unclean, unclean. He shall remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He shall live alone. His dwelling shall be outside the camp. This is hard. I, there's a certain wisdom to it, right? If this is a contagious disease, it makes sense. But as you can imagine, like I don't know if you've met any other humans, but as you can imagine, outcast people, it, it tends to go a little bit beyond that. Let's mix into this reality the fact that there are many times through the Old Testament, I'm going to give you a few examples, Moses' sister, Miriam, a specific judgment on her when she, the, the, the sinful thing that she said, leprosy was a judgment. King Jeroboam at one point points to this man of God and God's judgment on him is as he points, his hand turns, gets leprous, right? We've got King Uzziah gets struck with leprosy for his disobedience. And so as you can imagine, people being people and not entirely off begin to associate leprosy with something deeper. Okay. I think we all do this to some degree or another. By Jesus' day, it was very much associated with someone who must be a sinner. If they saw someone with leprosy, they thought to themselves that he must have done something. And you, you will see this as we go through this, this New Testament. We saw it when we went through John. The, the, those disciples thought it. This is how the, the theology of the day was. It's a certain dilemma. It was the dominant theology of the day. In fact, they had a lot of things that they looked at like that. Any type of poverty, any type of sickness was a sign it must be of sin in their life. But I want to tell you today, this is a snippet of a story we're going to share from Luke. And I think you're going to see that this particular disease presents a particular opportunity. Jesus is on the scene. Jesus has been making some pretty bold claims. Luke is going to present us with a short little snippet. It would be easy to gloss over, but I want to tell you right now, I believe it is of monumental importance. Because leprosy was in some way a tangible display of actual uncleanness. He what that this we're going to meet a leprous person and he is unclean according to the law. Now if I were to walk up to someone let's say you came to me and you maybe it wasn't something outward maybe it was something inward and you said I I'm just I'm dirty I've sinned and you started sharing with me and if I just went you're cleansed. Right? Now, how would you know? Would you, can you see that happen? 
But, but leprosy presents a certain scenario because we're all sinners. So a person with leprosy presents a certain opportunity to have an outward representation of an inward uncleanness that's there as well. Okay? So the story that we're going to talk about today is less a story about something about healing. In fact, you're not even going to hear that necessarily directly. It's kind of alluded to. I want you to listen to this story, okay? Luke chapter 5. While he, Jesus, was in one of the cities, he's in a city, there came a man full of leprosy, Luke the physician tells us. This is the only place we see in the Bible this full of next to the word leprosy. So honestly, it's possibly a physician's term for an advanced case. Luke, remember, is a physician. There came a man full of leprosy. By the way, should he be in the city? No. No. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Now, honestly, I'm going to tell you right now, because I know you guys, I know I could almost stop right here and your minds are already reeling into the, the application for yourselves and for everybody you know. How many of you just love the fact that this guy, where he ought not to be? Some of you, this is what you did the first time you came to church. You felt like you shouldn't have been there. And you felt like probably you should walk in the door going, unclean, unclean. Right? But you came. And some of you, without saying these exact words, you when you're sitting there, you're singing your songs, somewhere in the back of your head, some of you, the first time you were here, you were just like, Lord, if you can, would you make me clean? I'm a filthy mess. That's what this guy does. Doesn't say, would you heal me? Just says, Lord, would you make me clean? What will Jesus do? He's the spotless Lamb of God. Now we read this Old Testament law. Should Jesus even touch him? If he touches him, would it not make him unclean? Didn't we already determine that? Uncleanness transfers. Does he even need to touch him if he wanted to heal him? Have we heard him already? Different times say with the word, boom. Things happen. I want you to watch what happens next. Verse 13, just the first half of it. This guy says, would you make me clean? If if you will, make me clean. You can make me, I know you can, if you will. Oh, there's my Isaiah passage. Great. I just... I love this. He just stretched out his hand. Reality is this, most likely, I was reading through some of these content, reality is most likely this man had not been touched by anybody in years. And Jesus, what does he do? Don't you just love Jesus? What's he do? This man, not even where he's supposed to be. I imagine people... 
around Jesus, getting ready. But I, I imagine, if you know anything about the Gospels, you know about Peter. I almost imagine Peter getting ready to jump. No, he's the spotless lamb. Don't touch him. Right? I can see Peter doing something like that. You know, he's always putting his foot in his mouth. But what's Jesus do? This guy comes up. Before anybody has a moment to do anything, Jesus just walks over and says, right? I will be clean. You know, I could almost stop right there because that's our Savior. A Jesus that, I don't care who you are, you come to him and you say, would you make me clean? He's the Savior that says, I, I will. And he doesn't just say, off with you, be clean. <laughs> I will be clean. Now, if this person who had come to Christ in this moment had come to Christ because, not because of something outward, like leprosy. In fact, I find it interesting. We don't know exactly if this is what this guy was even referring to. But imagine if somebody would have come up to Christ who had had an affair or had been living a homosexual lifestyle or was having sex before they were married or outside of marriage or was spending their nights looking at porn or was dot, 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 fill in the blank. And Jesus says, be clean. How do you know? But see, what, what, do, we have, what do we have here in this guy? How, something we can see with our eyes. And Jesus says, be clean. What's going to happen? I know you know the answer, but what's going to happen? Immediately. I wish I could have seen. What did that look like? What happened? What, how did that... But, but don't, don't miss the thing that happened because... because which way does was, was cleanliness transfer? Uncleanness transfers to the clean and makes the clean unclean. But that didn't happen here, did it? This is an amazing testament to our holy God in the flesh, Christ. Cannot be made unclean through touch, but he cleanses through touch. Just think about it. He said, I will be clean. And see, I know you guys. I know you guys. I know you guys. And I know, I don't even have to get to the end and give you all the applications because I know exactly what you, you guys know. You know that, that what, the, what this means for you is I don't care where you've been, what you've done. Even if you feel like every other person on this planet might, might look at what you've done. Like, have you really unloaded all that you've done? Really, like, let's be honest. Most of us, like, when we, we want to talk about, and we want to get, what's the, what's the catch? Authentic, genuine. We let some of it out there. But how many of us really? <laughs> everything. And why, why don't we? Because many of us, we feel like, if I, if I really told everybody that the most perverse thoughts I've had, the, the worst things I've done, the, the, 
I, I would basically, I would feel like I'm just walking through here going unclean, unclean. And I'm pretty sure everybody, if they really knew me, would just go. In fact, I'm pretty sure if Jesus, well, yeah, I know Jesus knows me, but I'm pretty sure he would be like, ooh, unclean. But you, you hear this and you go, do you realize the implication for you? It doesn't matter what it is. He knows you. And if you come to him and you say, if you would, would you make me clean? He says, I will be clean. And when he does that, what happens? It's gone. You are clean. Now, there's a couple more verses here I need to go through before I get to some application. And they're, they're important. He charged him to tell no one. Jesus does this a lot. But go and show yourself to the priest. Make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded for a proof to them. But the priest didn't have any ability to make the, the priest didn't have any ability to make this person clean, but they did still have authority to declare them clean. And so to show this is real cleanliness, Jesus says, now there's the rest of the process. You're clean. Now go, let's get it validated. <laughs> right? That's the way we validate your cleanliness under Levitical law. And so Christ tells him, go do this as a proof to them. I imagine those I imagine there's some, there's a lot of speculation, the proof to them phrase. Is it possible that, that it was just a proof to those priests as well? They, he'd probably been declared unclean by those priests. And they probably would have thought, lost cause. And for this guy to show up clean. Of course, it doesn't work. Even... I mean, it works, the, clean, the cleaning, but the, the, the don't go tell everybody doesn't work. Even more, the report about him went abroad. Great crowds gathered to hear him, to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray, as was his custom. This is what he did so, so often. He'd already refused when in the wilderness the temptation to become that popular faith healer. Wasn't his point. And I don't think it's Luke's point in sharing this. The, the point of this story is to show that this Messiah is a cleanser of souls. Let me give you four quick applications that I think you've probably already worked out. Number one, I think you probably need to start here. Know your own uncleanness. If, if you're sitting here today and you, you don't, I don't know, I'm looking around. I think pretty much all of you in this room, you know, <laughs> right? We're all in this together here, really. We're a bunch of wretches, a bunch of sinners, brood of vipers, right? Many times we don't cry out like David does, though. We don't cry out to be cleansed. We don't see our sin as dirty. And as much as I'm going to point to Jesus in just a moment as a cleanser of sin, this purifier, 
I don't think enough of us recognize our sin. It's overlooked, it's unconfessed, it gets ignored and forgotten. We just pretend like it didn't happen. That's not how to deal with it. Number two, the Holy One of God can and will cleanse all uncleanness. For the completion of this cleansing, sacrifice was needed in the Old Testament. Christ would do that in an ultimate way. Unlike any other sacrifice, Christ came for this purpose, to be the sacrifice for sin. This one monumental cleansing of sin happens on the cross. But this that we got a glimpse of is a display of what he's going to do. Number three, come to Jesus. Let's put those things together, I think. Come to Jesus with all of your uncleanness. The fact that you even think that you should, that's the Spirit of God drawing you in. Come to Jesus with your uncleanness. I think that there's sometimes a need for us. I think of uh, Christ as he's going to the cross and... and uh, he goes to wash the disciples' feet. Do you know this story? And, and Peter goes, you know, oh, you shouldn't do that, Lord. Right? And Jesus says, if I don't wash you, then you can't be part of this. Right? can't be part of the king. can't be part of me. And what's Peter do? Well, wash everything then. Right? And what does Jesus respond with? If you've been cleansed, if you've been washed, you've been declared clean, so to speak, you just need... The foot washing for now, Peter. Calm down. <laughs> in, in many ways, I think some of us, that's where we're at. In, in Christ, if you're sitting here today and you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you put your faith, your hope, your trust in him, you are clean. But let's be honest, did we forget? And is, that, is not that what this is about for many of us is a reminder, oh yeah, I'm clean. I don't have to walk around anymore going, unclean, unclean. Been declared clean. I want to share with you a quote from uh, a theologian from quite a while ago. Philip Ryken quotes him. His, the theologian is John Calvin. In his commentary on this, he says, he says, there is such purity in Christ. He absorbs. I just, I, I'm, sharing, I'm going to be honest. I'm sharing this with you just because I just, I, I just love it. Okay. There is such purity in Christ, he absorbs all uncleanness and pollution. He does not contaminate himself by touching the leper, nor does he transgress the law. He stays whole, clears all our dirt away, and pours upon us his own holiness. I, I, I just love that first part. He absorbs, there, there's nothing so big that she's going to, it's not like you're going to see, uh, it's not like you're going to come up to Jesus and go, if you will make me clean, he's going to reach out and touch you, and you're going to see like a, a dimming of his power, like, oh my goodness, he was barely able to cleanse me. Oh, I think I get it. His holiness is so much and so pure. He takes it all. Amen? He takes it all. There's not, there's not a thing. If there's nothing else you get today, I just want you to know there is not a thing, not even that darkest corner in your brain right now that you're holding on to and think, if anybody knew I did that, well, Jesus knows you did it, and you're here today, and you're hearing this sermon. I'm telling you right now, I don't care what it is. 
If you don't believe me, if you want to, after the sermon, you want to say, okay, man, I'm going to just put you to the test. I'm going to test it on you. There's not a thing you can tell me right now that I'm going to say, I'm going to hear, and I'm going to go, whoa, that's a lot. I'm going to tell you right now, I will tell you, it's not too much for this Jesus. And let me top you one. Let me tell you some of the things I've done. Now, while he could heal the leper by his words alone, he adds the contact of his hand to show his feeling of compassion. No wonder, since he willed to put on our flesh in order that he might cleanse us from all our sins, here's a thing which we pass over without much impression at an idle reading, but must certainly ponder with much awe when we take it properly that the Son of God, so far from a boring contact with the leper, actually stretched out his hand to touch his uncleanness. So I have a final point of application I want to steer your minds into because this is not just about you. This is for everybody. We're just beggars showing other beggars where there's bread, are we not? And I'm going to tell you right now, if there's people that you meet. I don't know how to say this strong enough. There shouldn't be a person on this planet, no matter what they've done or what they're doing. Now, doesn't, ma- doesn't matter. There's not a person on this planet that you should, you should be abhorred by the thought of contact with that person. Our Savior we we got we to seek to emulate the Savior, be pictures of the Savior for people. Because I'm telling you right now, you start talking about this, this story with somebody, and you're like, Jesus, unclean it, and you're like talking about it, and then you, and, somebody kept, and they, they start telling you what they've done or maybe what they're doing or what they're living in, and there might be tests in the waters. Let's see if there's really forgiveness for me in this Jesus this person's talking about. And if they start telling you these things, and you're like, Are they going to believe it? No. Many people look at us as like, is this Jesus really all he's cracked up to be? Is, it, is he really everything I've heard? And the only representation they have is you people, and you may be the only person that they ever get to see, and you're this picture of Jesus to them. And if you find acts of now i will say jesus didn't go out of the city and find all the other lepers this is the leper that came to him and just said can you make me clean okay so i think that ties into it okay so so don't get confused here but when people come to you and they're like really what about this what about this and i'm doing this and i'm living this way or maybe you just know how they are and what they're doing maybe it's a certain type of person that you just go i can't stand those people there's something wrong with you, my friend, if you're acting that way. You're not emulating this Jesus if you're going, I can't stand those people. And I'd prefer it if you didn't attach yourselves to this church if you would go and act like that. Because this church is going to be about this Savior, Jesus. And I always want everybody to know, I want you to 
I don't care who you are. I don't care what they are or what they've done or how they're living or anything. If they go, I might come to church with you. They are welcome to come in here and hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want them to know that. And I want them to feel welcome. And I want them to know that they're loved. And I want them to know ultimately that there's a Jesus that died on the cross and took the penalty of all of their sin. And if they just go, Jesus, would you cleanse me? He will say, yes, I will. And if you're not on board with that, I'd rather you weren't representing Christ in any way because that's not a representation of Christ. Does that make sense? I didn't mean to come across so harsh right now. I'm not trying to. Yeah. But yeah, I'm t- but I think I'm, 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 I just know that there's many people that, that you just see certain people out in the world. And there's a lot of junk in the world right now. There's a lot of crap going on and you're just like looking out and some of you make the mistake of shifting it off of just the sinfulness of the world and you pinpoint it on people and you go i can't stand those people and that's that's you can't go there and as soon as those people show one inkling of saying okay i heard you talking about this jesus is that for real because I'm telling you what, the law of God is written on their hearts. If they're living in sin, they know it. They can tell you all day long, they don't know it. They know it. And before a holy God, they know they are unclean. And the moment the Spirit of God whispers to them, there's hope. And maybe you're the person that's standing close. And they go, is there really hope? You ought to be ready to say, absolutely. I love you. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, I got to work on it. <laughs> a hearty handshake. But that willingness, it doesn't have to be there. It doesn't have to be there. All right. You guys got a song? Got a song? Awesome. Well, we're going to sing a song. Thank you. And I, let's, say, let's say this. If you're sitting here today, number one, and you're going, I don't feel clean. I know I've put my faith in Christ. I know that, but I don't feel clean. You know what? You might need to just come up here, sit down, say, Lord, if you would make me clean. Right? And I'll tell you what I'm going to do. You come up here, and you, you sit down. I want you to know I'm going to come over. I'm going to put my hand on your back, and I'm going to say, if that's what you're seeking, you're clean in God's eyes. Okay? If you're sitting here today and you've not been representing Christ and you've been... keeping people in that unclean realm and you're fine if they stay there, you need to repent. You might need to come up here and get on your knees before God and say, God, I am so Sorry. I'm so sorry. And ask his forgiveness today, right now, today. Just get on your knees and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I've been a, a hateful wretch of a person. Would you forgive me? Here's the great thing. Do you think he's even with you going to go, you're clean? See, that still falls within the realm of his grace. I'm going to pray and then you guys can sing. Heavenly Father, I just thank you, God, for this day. I thank you. I thank you that Luke wrote down this story. I thank you, God, that this man came to you and just said, make me clean. I thank you 
that you didn't just say, be clean. But with this one, you said, the hand, and you touched. And you said, I will be clean. And I thank you that it was something that people could see that was verified that when you said be clean, that outward representation left that person. And I ask now, Lord, as people today, as they're having faith in you and trusting in all that you've done and the actual work of salvation that you did on the cross, that they will, as much as possible, feel that leaving uncleanness before your touch. In Christ's name. Amen.